Good morning. Well, church, that was, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, that fired me up. <laughs> you know, that fired me up. I mean, it's, uh, it's so real, isn't it? The reality that uh, right now, in this moment, <clears throat> there is a fight for souls. That, 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 that line, that verse, when the night is holding on to me. Have you ever felt like that? The night is holding on to you. The negativity of this world holding on to you. Satanic attacks holding on to you. Not trying to let you go. We, I, I know it's real. Because I know we're all up in here and we're all going through our different stuff. <laughs> There's nobody in here that's not going through something or doesn't know somebody who's going through something. And then that next line, but God, in, 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 in bold letters, <laughs> you know, all caps, God is holding on. Oh, that's so powerful because he is. And, and, and again, all of this comes down to a matter of perspective. Are we looking at Jesus Christ for who he is? The savior and the king of our souls. He has the power within him that raised from the dead. And the Bible says that your body, my body, is now the temple of the living God. That Holy Spirit, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, lives in me. So that when we come into these situations where we know we're in that warfare and that battle, we don't have to shriek back. We can, we can humbly say, Lord, I need your strength. Get me through this situation. Help me. And he will. Amen. I have something I want to share real quick before we uh, get into the text this morning and, and pray. And uh, this was sent to me, gosh, maybe two weeks ago from uh, one of the gentlemen that, uh, that I used to be in a men's group with years ago. And it's just super cool. He still sends me stuff every day. And, uh, you know, he labels it spiritual vitamin. <laughs> and, and, you know, hey, I need a multi-pack. <laughs> All the supplements I can get. And uh, maybe some of you are familiar with this. Uh, I don't know uh, who was the writer of this other than a believer that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But it's entitled, God Said No. It's quite all right. Don't worry about it. But this is, and I really want you to, to, to take hold of this because I, I think, or I, I don't even want to say I think, I know the Holy Spirit has revealed this to me. There is a lot of unlearning that we need to do within the church and have the proper framework of how Christianity really works. It's not this name it and claim it. It's not this one time, one size fits all. It's not this I repent one time. You know, the sad thing is, unfortunately, there's a lot that's being taught that just come to Jesus. And yes, that's true, but they leave out a big part of it. Repent. <laughs> Repentance is so important. That's that nasty, dirty word in the Christian faith. Icky, icky. People don't want to talk about it. But that's how real it is because the, the word repentance or the word sin makes people squirm. It, in and of itself, it shows us our very nature. But I just think that this little 
this little, I don't even know if it's called, a, it's a poem or whatever, but God said no. It, it, just, it, it just has been speaking to me throughout these last couple weeks. So I'll go ahead and read it to you. It says, I asked God to take away my habit. God said no. It is not for me to take away, but for you to give up. I asked God to make my handicapped child whole. God said no. His spirit is whole. His body is only temporary. I asked God to grant me patience. God said no. Patience is a byproduct of tribulations. It isn't granted. It's learned. It's deep, ain't it? I asked God to give me happiness. God said, no. I give you blessings. Happiness is up to you. I asked God to spare me pain. God said, no. Suffering draws you apart from worldly cares and brings you closer to me. I ask God to grow. Make my spirit grow. God said no. You must grow on your own. But I will prune you to make you fruitful. I ask God for all things that I might enjoy life. And God said, no, I will give you life so that you may enjoy all things. I ask God to help me love others as much as he loves me. God said, ah, finally, you have the idea. And I share that because I think sometimes we have the right intention, but we ask amiss. We're praying, but are we praying for the right things? Are we praying the way the Lord would have us to pray? I shared this a couple weeks ago about Solomon. And Solomon asked for wisdom. Of all the things he could ask for, he asked for godly wisdom. And that was the best thing he could ask for. Because in wisdom, in godly wisdom, you're going to be granted everything you need. Everything you need. Because God is wisdom. So he was asking in, a, in, in essence for more of God, more of Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. And I think the Christian life is so simple. But we've convoluted it and complicated it and made it into something that it's not even supposed to be. And that's why you have all these different doctrines going around and people not knowing and all these half truths. And Satan's just loving it, whispering in people's ears, convincing them that they're okay. We have the opportunity to live right by God and live right by men and women. But again, it's all about perspective. The Lord will show you and I what we should pray for. Amen. <laughs> all right. May not have been what you thought you're going to hear bright and early, but hey, it is what it is. 
All right, we're in Revelation chapter 6. We're going to be going down from verse 7 down to 17. I've entitled this message, Nothing Fancy Other Than the Seven Seals Part 2. Again, my responsibility is not to recreate the wheel. All I'm supposed to do is <laughs> reiterate what the Lord sh shared with me. So when you get there, Revelation chapter 6, verse 7 down through 17, please stand if you can for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and pray and we'll get this. This party started, this holy party. <laughs> All right. So it says, <clears throat> When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence. And by wild beasts of the earth, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had bore. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Verse 15. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we know your will will be done. And Lord, so we just ask that we would Get on your train. <laughs> that we would align ourselves with your will. That we would no longer look to the past, but that we would look to the future. That we would look to the hope of your son, Jesus Christ, returning. And that while you allow us time to live, that we would be effective witnesses for your kingdom. May we not piddle away the precious time that you've given us. Every second is such a blessing. Father, please speak to us through your word now. Give us a fresh set of eyes in our hearts that we may rightly divide it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Show us how this is applicable to us today. <laughs> because knowledge is nothing without it being applied. That's what wisdom is, Lord. And we need your wisdom. We need to be able to apply this knowledge and see it 
manifest itself in our lives so we could bear healthy spiritual fruit. Father, please, would you hear our prayers and answer them according to your will? We thank you and love you. It's in Jesus Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. All right. Yeah, it's going to be another one of those days. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's the book of Revelation. There is no, uh, you know, Daniel was praying it earlier. I think it was, I can't remember if it was Daniel or Sal, but someone was, was praying when we were praying earlier and said, you know what? You can't candy coat the word of God. It's not doom and gloom, but there is a seriousness and a heaviness to it. And if we, we don't soberly, rightfully divide the word of God, we're actually doing it a very disservice to the Lord by tiptoeing around things and, and not wanting to explain them as it should be. And today we'll be looking at the last four seals being opened and how these last four seals will affect the earth and the people living in it at that time. Last week, we learned that a final satanic dictator will rise to power, setting up the great tribulation and the final judgment of God. At that time, peace will be taken from the earth with humans rising up against each other, shedding blood like never before seen in the history of mankind. There will also be a great famine within the earth where a day's wages will only be able to buy someone one loaf of bread. Well, as we study through these last four seals, we will see that circumstances, circumstances excuse me, will only get worse for those who have not chosen to submit themselves before the authority of Jesus Christ. You see, reading through this passage should produce within us a strong desire to tell all we can of God's great love for them before it's too late. That's the reality. We have several main points. And the first one is this. God Almighty is in full control even after this final rider on this pale horse is permitted to kill many. You see, this is the reality. When things go haywire, and, and, and it's just, it's nutty, right? Maybe you've had that kind of week, and things have gone haywire. People in your family are acting a nut. They're AWOL. You don't know where they're at. You don't know what's going on. They're just not in the right frame of mind. Some people look at that and say, God's not in control. Lord, if you're in control, how could this happen? How could you allow this? How could you allow this into my life? God is in control. You see, all of the bad things that we witness in this life are a result of sin being unchecked within someone's life. Being unchecked. Someone handing themselves over to a lifestyle of sin. You see, lying, cheating, stealing, killing are all results of humans denying the truth. And even though Satan and his demons are allowed to wreak havoc upon the earth, the Lord God Almighty still has them on a leash. Amen? It's like an owner walking a dog. But this dog is not going to be able to break that leash, no matter how much they wild out. You see, it is hard for some to understand and believe this, since what they tend to focus on is all the bad that go on. Have you ever 
been around someone like that where everything they point out is negative. It's like you could be having the best day and they're like, you know, your, your shirt's wrinkled right there. <laughs> the coffee was a little bitter. Oh, yeah. You know, the waitress, she didn't smile at me when I, you know, when I gave her that nice tip. Like, what is wrong with you? Why are you always constantly badgering the situation? Maybe you are that person and you're a pessimist. You're constantly pointing out the negativity and things. I can be like that. <laughs> My wife's like, you're always negative. You're always saying this and saying that. You know, hey, I try not to, but hey, you know, it happens. But the Bible is clear. That God is in full control. And his invisible qualities are on dis- display, excuse me, throughout all of his creation. You see, he is the designer And everything else, including us, is his design. The clay is never greater than the potter. Amen. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 tells us, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. That means anybody who denies the existence of a holy God, the holy God, and says, no, he's not real. Well, according to scripture, all of creation echoes his grandeur and his greatness. All you have to do is look at the sky, look at the sun, look at the moon, look at the stars at night, look at the ocean when you go to Santa Cruz or wherever you like to go. Look at the mountains, look at the little foothills here that are still green until we uh, don't get water for another couple months and they'll turn nasty yellow. (laughs) But it's all there, you know. There's people who like pets in here. You're a dog person. I mean, you know, I used to look at dogs and be like, why do dogs have like these human eyes? It's just so emotional. My mom used to have this chihuahua that I love so dearly named Charlie. He, he's, he's already gone. And, but, you know, that dog would sleep in my bed when I lived there. And the dog was just always in my face. I'm not really a cat person. Cats are kind of like got the serpent eyes. I don't know. But, <laughs> but anyways, you know, I mean, the glory of God is seen all throughout his creation. And this is what Romans chapter 1 verse 20 is telling us. And the reality is this. If human beings do not work out the basic nature of God from what they see in creation, and, 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 and if they don't seek him from there, then they are, or we are, simply without excuse. They are willfully ignoring the obvious. You see, God insists that he has made it plain to human beings in our reasoning and that we need to decide and to decide otherwise, excuse me, is to suppress the truth that we know by our natural conduct, just our, our, just our natural understanding of the world. We see his invisible qualities. And this ties into this whole thing of, uh, of this, 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 this satanic dictator rising to power. Because even though this season of wickedness will be allowed in the earth, God is still in full control. All right, the second main point is this. Any saint persecuted for Jesus Christ's sake will be avenged in the Lord's time. We see that the Lord truly is all-knowing. He sees it all. Nothing is hidden from his face. He knows the heart and the intent of all people. We are also told 
not to take vengeance into our own hands. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. You see, many times when people are treated wrong, they want to immediately get back at the person who hurt them. (laughs) I'm going to get you. You're on my hit list because you did me dirty. When I catch you slipping, you're going to (laughs) know. You're going to know it's me. You're going to pay. Hence the saying, hurt people, hurt people. I have a client and, uh, you know, obviously she's special needs and she tells me every day, yeah, Keefing, you know, back when I was in elementary school, you know, some person said I wasn't loved and I was stupid. And I always have to tell her that person was probably hurt. They were probably abused emotionally, psychologically, who knows by someone. And they thought they might make themselves feel better because, you know, hurting you, saying something bad. I said, but you know, you're loved. Your mom loves you. Your dad loves you. Your brother loves you. Here, uh, People here at the Morgan Center, we love you. And, uh, you know, but it's interesting. Hurt people hurt people. But this is not the way the, the Lord wants us to react. He doesn't want us to take things into our own hands. On the contrary, Jesus, what does he do? He tells us to love our enemies, to bless those who curse you. How are we doing, uh, how are we doing with that this week? Are you blessing those who curse you? <laughs> For real. I mean, I keep it real. Are you blessing people who curse you? Or are you like, oh, <laughs> you're, just, you're just ready to just lay into them. For the persecuted saints here in our text, they wanted to know how much longer before God would judge the evil of men. And they were told that they must wait a little while more, but that God's justice will prevail. You see, today, we must remember that no matter what happens in this life, the Lord Jesus Christ will have the final say on all matters. Amen? And that's why, you know, again, whatever, protests, marches, I'm not going to be totally against them. I'm not with, you know, what the core uh, values of some of these people that are doing stuff for. But I'll take a classic example of Martin Luther King. I believe that he was a real Christian And he did the march, whatever. It is what it is. But now, if you don't have the framework of Jesus Christ, what are you doing? (laughs) What is a march going to do? What is a protest going to do? What is fighting back against people going to do if it's not done in the manner of the Lord Jesus Christ and him leading you? You see, we have a whole lot of people doing a whole lot of stuff for a whole lot of reasons. But it, it ain't doing anything. All it's creating is more division, more divisiveness. Satan's loving it. Jesus is like, when are y'all going to get the hint? Turn back to me. (laughs) You know? And uh, we don't need to be trying to take vengeance into our own hands. He will vindicate us at the right time. We don't have to think that we got to get back at somebody. If anything, we should be praying for these people who treat us badly and poorly and spite us. Amen? All right. The third main point is this. The revelation of Jesus Christ to those who refuse to submit to him will cause them to run from him in fear, not create a desire in them to run to him. Hopefully you followed along with that. 
we will also see in our text today that the rich and the poor, free and slave, all don't want nothing to do with standing before the true and righteous God. They will try to hide themselves in caves, begging for the rocks to crush them. They would rather die than face the reality of their wickedness in the sight of Jesus Christ. The sad thing about this situation is this is brought up by years of rebellion and unconfessed sin. You see, when we get comfortable living a lifestyle apart from God, we get comfortable in our sin. The guilt and shame will be magnified by Satan who whispers in our ears, accusing us of the wrong we have done. And when you are not standing upon the rock of Jesus Christ, when those accusations come, and they will come, they are enough to destroy a person. Murder. Why would someone have the desire to murder someone in cold blood? Why would someone have the desire to take their own life? Because the whispers and the accusations of the enemy are coming in. And this individual is not feeding their soul on the word of God. They're more than likely feeding their flesh. And so they get deceived. And they get influenced by a demonic presence. And that demonic presence carries out what? Mayhem that comes in every shape, form, and size. We see this here. Because these individuals have lived so long apart from God that they have decided in their hearts to reject him. And when he returns to administer righteous judgment upon them, they are terrified by the idea of having to face the one they have blasphemed for so long. This truly is the worst possible position to put yourself into. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 tells us, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And again, we see this and this should motivate us. Man, that there is real stuff going on in people's lives all around us. And we have the truth and we have the power through the Holy Spirit to reflect the love and the light of Jesus Christ to those around us. Man, we better be on top of it. <laughs> we, I mean, we got we had to be it's fire in our veins and we're just like, you know, we're ready to go for the Lord at any cost. All right, let's go ahead and unpack these verses now. Six, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter six, verses seven and eight. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard of the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. And I looked and behold a pale horse and its rider's name was death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. Okay, so we see here a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death. This last rider shows that there will be a tremendous death toll from the dictatorship, war, famine, and other calamities described by the three previous horsemen. Now, in our modern day, we have seen hundreds of millions killed by dictators, war, and famine. Yet, that will all pale in comparison to the death toll coming in the wake of this ultimate dictator. 
No wonder why Jesus mentioned this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. I mean, you think of how many people occupy the earth today. How many people? What do you say, 75 billion? 7.5 billion. And here in our text, it says that a fourth will be taken from the earth. That is, uh, I'm not good with math, but that's a whole lot of people. That's a whole lot of people that will perish in that kind of way. You see, power was, this is very important for us to understand this next statement. Power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill. What stands out directly in this passage, in this line right here, is power was given to the horsemen, but it was given by God. Even though seemingly all hell is breaking loose at this time in history on the earth, God is still very much in control. He still holds the scroll and he is the one who opens the seals. Well, you might ask yourself, well, how does this apply to my life today? The application is this. When the circumstances of your life seem to be out of control... Remember, God is on the throne. Nothing enters your life without having to pass through his hands first in my life. I think of Job, right? And with Job, it's not that Satan has to always ask permission from God to attack and accuse believers. Because we know 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But it was that Satan was asking God to remove his hedge of protection from Job. In Job chapter 38, verse 11, God says that he limits the waves of the sea. This far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. In the same way, it seems that there are boundaries and rules that Satan must abide by. He can only go so far, but not further. We know that God cares for all of his children. We are part of those children. Amen. So it is reasonable to assume that God has a measure of protection surrounding each of us. And we know that ultimately God controls everything in the universe, including Satan. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I really want you to hear that this morning because I, I, I know that people in this room are going through things that you, that you don't understand. And you don't have to understand it. But you have to trust that the Lord has a purpose for it. And that hopefully the difficulties of your life are drawing you closer to him. So that in the end of all of this, you're going to be able to praise him all the more. You'll see restoration restored and things are going to work out. Because the Bible is clear. He says that for those who love him, it is going to work out. I'm not saying it's easy. You got to cry hard tears, cry hard tears. But cry hard tears at the foot of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's going to work out. 
His mercies are new every morning. All right. Moving on to verses 9 through 11. It says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Okay, so we see this statement I saw under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. The description of these souls being under the altar emphasizes that their life blood was actually poured out as an offering to God. The idea is drawn from Leviticus chapter 4, verse 7, and I'll read it. And it says, And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense before the Lord that is in the tent of meeting, and all the rest of the blood of the bull he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So we see clearly this is where this derives from. Even though they were taken in cold blood, the Lord knows and their blood was an offering to him. Their persecutors didn't even realize that they were doing that. Next we see, again, the statement, who had been slain for the word of God. It is probably best to see this as a cry of all martyrs for God's truth, not merely believers persecuted by the coming world leader of the first horseman. We read about that in Revelation uh, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Next, we see the statement, And they cried out with a loud voice. You see, these souls in heaven cried out for vengeance. For vengeance. Until, they were like, until you judge and avenge our blood. We, we usually don't think of God's people crying out for vengeance. But here they made their cry to God known. And they left the matter with him. The application is this. When God's people are persecuted, he will set it right. Now, you see, it isn't wrong for us to ask him to do what he promises to do. This is similar to the blood of Abel that cried out from the ground for vengeance. Genesis chapter 4, verse 10 tells us, And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And we also see this, that the blood of unavenged murders in the land of Israel, Numbers chapter 35, verse 33 tells us, You shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who sheds it. Again, this is important to remember because vengeance is in the Lord's hands, not ours. Next, we see this statement. They were given something. They were given a white robe. They were given white robes. Now, these robes are robes of righteousness. You can read about that in Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. And they are robes of honor. Uh, it's stated in Revelation chapter 4, verse 4 about that. Those who wear them 
are like God in the sense of seeing Him as He is, seeing the Lord as He is, reflecting His image. They are acknowledged to be His, and they have acknowledged Him to be their God. I mean, that's, that's how we want to be, right? We, we, we want to reflect the light of Jesus Christ here on the earth. We want to know that we're acknowledging Him as our God, as these saints that are already there with the Lord. They were persecuted on earth, but they are honored in heaven. And then the next statement in, the, in this portion of Scripture says, It was said to them that they should rest a little while longer. These saints were instructed to wait. But how long must they wait? Until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. This may mean that they should wait until all God's appointed martyrs are killed. Or it may mean that they wait until the character of the remaining martyrs on earth is perfected and complete. It has been said that it is the character, the way that one lives, that makes them a martyr, not the way that one dies. And so, again, we have to take into account what is our conduct? What is our character as we live our Christian lives before men? Are we doing what Jesus would say Amen to. That is good. Or would Jesus say, my son, my daughter, <laughs> come here so I can correct you. All right. We'll look at this last portion of scripture as we spend the remainder of our time here. Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 down through 17. And it says, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Man, that's, <laughs> that's a whole lot going on right here. We'll start with this. So the great earthquake, the sun became like sack like a sackcloth of hair, some translations say, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth. Well, we have to understand Scripture. We have to understand Old Testament. Again, this ties into the fact that, I mean, the whole Bible is encompassed. It's not just the New Testament. We need the Old Testament. Old Testament is a beautiful, uh, you know, revelations of God. Because celestial disturbances in the Bible are often, are often excuse me, connected with the coming of the Messiah. Uh, you can look at the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah, book of Ezekiel, book of Joel, book of Ze Zephaniah, and Jesus Christ himself all describes such things. I'll share one passage from uh, the book of Zephaniah, chapter 1, verses 14 down through 16. It says, The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. 
The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day. A day of distress and anguish. A day of ruin and devastation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of trumpet blasts and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. Also in Joel. I think she knows what's going on. For real. You know, the young ones know. They know. They know. They know. They know. They testify to the word of God, the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Joel chapter 2 verses 10 and 11 also share this. It says, The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon are darkened. And the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army. For his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? So we see again, this is just, this is just a couple portions of scripture that, that, that echo this truth that we find in the book of Revelation. And we go on to look at a little more description about what's going to go on in that day. It says, the sun became black as sackcloth and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth. It's best to regard these pictures as real, but at the same time poetic. You see, the Apostle John did not use technically precise scientific language. He just simply described what he saw. And we have to believe that. We have to have the faith to trust that the Apostle is telling the truth. And he goes on to say, And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, even uh, every slave and every free man hid themselves. This is something we need to get out of this right here, is that all people are equally brought low by God's wrath. The judgment is all the more profound because it is the wrath of the Lamb of God. And the next portion of Scripture tells us, they said, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. They hid not only from the terror of the judgments, but from the face of of him who sits on the throne. You see, there's a stark contrast between them and, say, Moses. You see, Moses wanted to see. God said, I can't show you. You're going to have to see me as I pass because my glory is too great. But you see, there was a desire that Moses had. He wasn't running from in that instance. He had now been regenerated and living for the Lord. And you see these people just in fear they don't want nothing to do with almighty god they don't want nothing to do with him at all the application is this what sinners we're all sinners (laughs) we're saints now you're a saint (laughs) you're a saint that sins but what sinners unregenerated sinners dread the most is not death but the revealed presence of God. It's God's presence that they are in fear of. That is why many deny his existence in the first place. You see, because if they deny his existence, they believe in their thinking, in their train of thought, that they will not have to be accountable to him. 
if I don't believe you're real, I can just do whatever I want and there's no consequences because in my value system, you are not real. <laughs> Isn't that psycho? That's psycho. You go back to uh, Romans where it talked about, hey, he's, he's, he's clear in all the creation. I mean, even you just look at this room. It's a trip. I mean, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to do all this, but some person had enough foresight, God-given insight, that they were able to, you know, create architecture and make lighting and, you know, I mean, I don't know what all those wires do. They do something, you know. I mean, just whole structure, that's crazy. To me, that blows my mind. You look at technology and how we're able to, to, to talk to someone way across the world with the click of a button. That's all God-given ability. There's a designer behind that. And these people are... They're, they're, they don't they don't want to they don't want to be in the presence of God because of because of the unconfessed sin because they know in their core that they are accountable. A great example is this. Anyone who has young children knows this. <laughs> I laugh because you know my daughter does this all the time. You know when when a child closes his or her eyes when they're in trouble, like hiding from the consequences doesn't make them go away. My daughter like ran to, I don't know what happened, but she did something. <laughs> she ran to the kitchen. I was doing dishes. She tried to come run and hide by me and close her eyes. And it's like, mommy's right there. She's still coming. You still got to account for whatever you did. You better go talk to your mom. <laughs> you know, but we got grown adults doing that. That's what this is right here. Hiding in the caves saying, fall on us. We don't want to face the true and living God. That's so sad. I, I mean, I don't take pleasure in sharing this like I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm better than them. No, I, I, I don't want anyone to have to go through that. That's just that's sad when you see the truth right there and you can choose life today. This instance here reveals those who have deliberately. See, this is the important thing. It's deliberate disobedience to Jesus Christ, living a lifestyle of rebellion. They have decided in their hearts that they will not repent and turn back to God. Those are the ones who will experience this horrible fate. It's those who say, I don't care. I don't want to know. I don't want to be saved. I'm doing it my own way. Man, as talented as Frank Sinatra was, he sure got it wrong in that song. You did it your way? Have you heard the lyrics of that song? That is so satanic. That is straight up so satanic. But you know what? You'll get blasted by Sinatra fans if you ever say that. Oh, you're the, he's the greatest. I don't care. He was talking about horrible stuff. It wasn't right. You shouldn't say that. It's not good. But that shows you the unregenerated heart of humans when we talk like that. Ooh, that stings. Go, go home and listen. Go look up those lyrics and come tell me next week because real talk, those lyrics are not good. And that was back then. Nowadays, oh my goodness, the lyrics of some of these songs. Rappers don't even rap anymore. I don't know what they're talking about, but it ain't good. <laughs> the majority of them, that is. I was reminded earlier this week of a very sobering truth from the Lord. In hell, in hell, there will be no praising of God. 
absolutely zero, zilch. There will be nothing but cursing God for all of eternity. It's not even about the gnashing of teeth and, and, and the horrible torment that one's soul's going to be in. The thought of that made me sick to my stomach when the Lord revealed that to me. Nothing but cursing, nothing but blaspheme. Every single being in there, all they're going to be doing is blaspheming the name of God. To be in an environment where his, where his peace is completely removed and all you hear and experience is the blaspheme and the cursing of the Lord's name. That's horrible. But that's hell. That's absolutely the worst situation you could ever be in. The absolute worst. And then I was reminded that hell wasn't even created for people. It's not even, we're not even supposed to go there. Oh, was it ACDC back in the day? It was a gimmick. Daniel, you told me about that, right? The highway to hell. And they ran with it because it made, I mean, they, you know, I don't know, double platinum. They sold a lot of records. <laughs> but it's like, don't play with that stuff. Don't play around with this stuff because it's too real. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. The spiritual implications of what we do on a daily basis. It's no joke. We need to be moved by the Holy Spirit to be the best possible witnesses we can be. You wouldn't wish your worst enemy to be subjected to hell. We must remind people that repentance and forgiveness are real. And that this is the only way that one can be saved. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 tells us, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive, you will receive, excuse me, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this stuff is real. Repentance is real. And, 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 and being, I'm not saying bat, being baptized in water saves you, but it, 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 is, it is an outward expression of your faith. It's like the Ethiopian eunuch. If there's, if there's water around, why not? That's like saying I'm unashamed and I'll allow the world to see that I'm dedicating my life to Jesus. And I do. I turn away from my wicked ways and I turn to the Lord. That is how one is saved. There's no other way. It's not just, oh, I raised my hand in church. Yeah, that stuff can happen, but there should be a progression. It shouldn't be seeing me back doing the same old thing I was doing 10 years ago, talking about I'm saved. And I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm saying we need to wake up as the church. And we really need to, to hone in on what these basic principles in Christianity are found in the Bible and we need to, one, make sure that we're right with the Lord. And then, then okay, cool. Now we can go out and, and be a clean vessel for his usage to be effective. Because, again, hell is real. And no living person should ever go there. All right. This last portion, as the worship team comes up, because we're about ready to close. It says... 
the sixth seal concludes with a valid question. Who is able to stand? Who is able to stand? Because that was some harsh stuff that we just went through right now. Who is able to stand? I'll tell you this. Only the believer can stand before this great judgment. The one who is justified by the grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Oh, that's so beautiful. You have peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you get to stand on his grace. You see, we as believers can stand in the face of this great wrath of God because Jesus already bore the wrath that we deserve. Amen? Let's stand. (laughs) Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for, again, your, your warnings. Lord, you love us enough to warn us of what's to come. You give us time to get right before it goes down. (laughs) Wow. And all we have to do is humble ourselves and submit. Lord, I pray when it's difficult for us to humble ourselves, may we remember that hell's not made for us, that there are people going to hell, that we have the opportunity to have relationship with you, that we should all the more be just encouraged to just live out our calling and not complain about these little trivial things in life, but that we would find solace and rest in you and that our lives would be effective for your kingdom. Father, that's, I, I can't get that out of my mind. That's the only reason why we're still living. That's the only reason we're on this planet still, is that you, in some wild way, get pleasure out of seeing your creation do good for you we know who we are but man lord you love us anyways despite all all of our issues and you clean us up and you say go into the world and share the love of christ with people help us to do that in our families on our jobs out in the community wherever we're at may we be reflecting the light of jesus christ father again we just thank you and love you we pray this all in jesus christ's precious name amen